Chapter Ten of Amelia, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Amelia, Volume Two, by Henry Fielding. Book Six, Chapter One. Panegyrics on Beauty with Other Grave Matters. The colonel and Booth walked together to the latter's lodging, for as it was not that day in the week in which all parts of the town are indifferent, Booth could not wait on the colonel. When they arrived in Spring Garden, Booth, to his great surprise, found no one at home but the maid. In truth, Amelia had accompanied Mrs. Ellison and her children to his lordship's, for, as her little girl showed a great unwillingness to go without her, the fond mother was easily persuaded to make one of the company booth had scarce ushered the colonel up to his apartment when a servant from mrs james knocked hastily at the door the lady not meeting with her husband at her return home began to despair of him and performed everything which was decent on the occasion an apothecary was presently called with the hartshorn and sal volatile a doctor was sent for and messengers were dispatched every way among the rest one was sent to inquire at the lodging of his supposed antagonist the servant hearing that his master was alive and well above stairs ran up eagerly to acquaint him with the dreadful situation in which he left his miserable lady at home and likewise with the occasion of all her distress saying that his lady had been at her brother's and that there heard that his honour was killed in a duel by captain booth the colonel smiled at this account and bid the servant make haste back to contradict it and then turning to booth he said was there ever such another fellow as this brother of mine i thought indeed his behaviour was somewhat odd at the time i suppose he overheard me whisper that i would give you satisfaction and thence concluded we went together with a design of tilting d the fellow i begin to grow heartily sick of him i wish i could get well rid of him without cutting his throat which i sometimes apprehend he will insist on my doing as a return for my getting him made a lieutenant-colonel while these two gentlemen were commenting on the character of the third amelia and her company returned and all presently came upstairs not only the children but the two ladies laden with trinkets as if they had been come from a fair amelia who had been highly delighted all the morning with the excessive pleasure which her children enjoyed when she saw colonel james with her husband and perceived the most manifest marks of that reconciliation which she knew had been so long and so earnestly wished by booth became so transported with joy that her happiness was scarce capable of addition exercise had painted her face with vermilion and the highest good humour had so sweetened every feature and a vast flow of spirits had so lightened up her bright eyes that she was all a blaze of beauty she seemed indeed as milton sublimely describes eve adorned with what all earth or heaven could bestow to make her amiable again grace was in all her steps heaven in her eye in every gesture dignity and love or as wallace sweetly though less sublimely sings 
sweetness truth and every grace which time and use are wont to teach the eye may in a moment reach and read distinctly in her face or to mention one poet more and him of all the sweetest she seemed to be the very person of whom suckling wrote the following lines where speaking of cupid he says all his lovely looks his pleasing fires all his sweet motions all his taking smiles all that awakes all that inflames desires all that sweetly commands all that beguiles he does into one pair of eyes convey and there begs leave that he himself may stay such was amelia at this time when she entered the room and having paid her respects to the colonel she went up to her husband and cried oh my dear never were any creatures so happy as your young things have been this whole morning and all owing to my lord's goodness sure never was anything so good-natured and so generous she then made the children produce their presents the value of which amounted to a pretty large sum for there was a gold watch amongst the trinkets that cost above twenty guineas instead of discovering so much satisfaction on this occasion as amelia expected booth very gravely answered and pray my dear how are we to repay all these obligations to his lordship how can you ask so strange a question cries mrs ellison how little do you know of the soul of generosity for sure my cousin deserves that name when you call a few little trinkets given to children an obligation indeed my dear cries amelia i would have stopped his hand if it had been possible nay i was forced at last absolutely to refuse or i believe he would have laid a hundred pound out on the children for i never saw any one so fond of children which convinces me he is one of the best of men but i ask your pardon colonel said she turning to him i should not entertain you with these subjects yet i know you have goodness enough to excuse the folly of a mother the colonel made a very low assenting bow and soon after they all sat down to a small repast for the colonel had promised booth to dine with him when they first came home together and what he had since heard from his own house gave him still less inclination than ever to repair thither but besides both these there was a third and stronger inducement to him to pass the day with his friend and this was the desire of passing it with his friend's wife when the colonel had first seen amelia in france she was but just recovered from a consumptive habit and looked pale and thin besides his engagements with miss bath at that time took total possession of him and guarded his heart from the impressions of another woman and when he had dined with her in town the vexations through which she had lately passed had somewhat deadened her beauty besides he was then engaged as we have seen in a very warm pursuit of a new mistress and now he had no such impediment for though the reader hath just before seen his warm declarations of a passion for miss matthews yet it may be remembered that he had been in possession of her for above a fortnight and one of the happy properties of this kind of passion is that it can with equal violence love half a dozen or half a score different objects at one and the same time but indeed such were the charms now displayed by amelia 
of which we endeavoured above to draw some faint resemblance that perhaps no other beauty could have secured him from their influence and here to confess a truth in his favour however the grave or rather the hypocritical part of mankind may censure it i am firmly persuaded that to withdraw admiration from exquisite beauty or to feel no delight in gazing at it is as impossible as to feel no warmth from the most scorching rays of the sun to run away is all that is in our power and in the former case if it must be allowed we have the power of running away it must be allowed also that it requires the strongest resolution to execute it for when as dryden says all paradise is opened in a face how natural is the desire of going thither and how difficult to quit the lovely prospect and yet however difficult this may be my young readers it is absolutely necessary and that immediately too flatter not yourselves that fire will not scorch as well as warm and the longer we stay within its reach the more we shall burn the admiration of a beautiful woman though the wife of our dearest friend may at first perhaps be innocent but let us not flatter ourselves it will always remain so desire is sure to succeed and wishes hopes designs with a long train of mischiefs tread close at our heels in affairs of this kind we may most properly apply the well-known remark of nemo repente fuit turpissimus it fares indeed with us on this occasion as with the unwary traveller in some parts of arabia the desert whom the treacherous sands imperceptibly betray till he is overwhelmed and lost in both cases the only safety is by withdrawing our feet the very first moment we perceive them sliding this digression may appear impertinent to some readers we could not however avoid the opportunity of offering the above hints since of all passions there is none against which we should so strongly fortify ourselves as this which is generally called love for no other lays before us especially in the tumultuous days of youth such sweet such strong and almost irresistible temptations none hath produced in private life such fatal and lamentable tragedies and what is worst of all there is none to whom poison and infatuation the best of minds are so liable ambition scarce ever produces any evil but when it reigns in cruel and savage bosoms and avarice seldom flourishes at all but in the basest and poorest soil love on the contrary sprouts usually up in the richest and noblest minds but there unless nicely watched pruned and cultivated and carefully kept clear of those vicious weeds which are too apt to surround it it branches forth into wildness and disorder produces nothing desirable but chokes up and kills whatever is good and noble in the mind where it so abounds in short to drop the allegory not only tenderness and good nature but bravery generosity and every virtue are often made the instruments of the effecting and most atrocious purposes of this all-subduing tyrant end of book six chapter one